my senior year of college, I felt really distant from God. And I remember it was so hard because I was trying to connect with him. I was trying to find him. I was spending time praying. I was spending time in the word. And yet it felt like no matter what I did, I still felt this distance. And I, and I believed in him and I trusted him, but I felt like I wasn't experiencing him. And I remember there was one day that I was laying in the room of my apartment and I was staring up at the wall at a bunch of pictures that I had taken and posted on the wall. And what was weird about this set of pictures is that for some reason, I had put them on the wall in the shape of an hourglass. So at the top, there was five pictures, and then under that, there was four, and then three, and then right in the middle, there was two, and then three, four, five. And my eyes were naturally drawn to the center of that hourglass. And then I was struck. Uh, because you see, there's two pictures. Uh, one of them was from the Wright Brothers Memorial in North Carolina. And the interesting thing about that memorial is it has words written on all four sides, but the corners are almost, it's almost as though they're shaved off uh, to the point where you can fit a word on each of those spots where a corner should be. And one of those corners is the singular word faith. And I had taken a picture of that. Uh, the next picture was uh, a picture of a sand sculpture my friend had made, and he had taken the word hope and made it three-dimensional. And so here I am, laying in my room, staring at these two pictures, faith, hope, and it clicked. Love was missing. For those familiar with the passage in 1 Corinthians 13, it references faith, hope, and love. And as I sat there, it was clear as day what God was saying. I had faith that God was real and that he was working. I had hope of what he could do and how he wanted to show himself. But what I didn't understand was love. I didn't understand his love for me. I didn't understand what it meant to love him. And that that was the peace that was creating the distance. Because if scripture is true and it says that God is love, if I don't understand love, then I don't understand God. And so that was the prayer I prayed is, God, teach me what your love is. Teach me how to see and understand your love. Teach me how to love like you love. A couple years later, I would realize that God was going to answer that prayer in part through bringing me in relationship with who would later become my wife. And it was clear that he was going to teach me more and more of the depth of his love through my opportunity to love her. And the story still continues. And I sincerely believe that if we want to know God, then we have to know what love is. In fact, in this episode, Chris Lee and I discover the secret to experiencing and knowing God. And it's love. So thank you for joining for episode eight of the Where Do You See God podcast. All right, today I'm sitting down with my buddy, Chris Lee, and we go back like... 10 years. We go back like lazy boys. Mm. This is why I love That's Chris right. Lee. He's always <laughs> a good word. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited. I've been wanting to sit with Chris for a while and we finally put it on the calendar, made it happen. But before we get started, can mm -hmm. I pray, Chris? Absolutely. Father God, we just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. Um, and we just thank you that you were very clear in your call for us to love to love you and to love others. And gosh, we just ask for forgiveness for the ways that we love ourselves more than others most of the time. But I also thank you that you have a lot of grace with us. You create a lot of opportunities for us to grow in love. And I just pray now that you would guide this conversation and help us to know how it is we can see and hear you through this very specific call. Honest prayer in holy name, amen. Amen. Man, so we got this AC unit behind us. <laughs> 
and so hopefully you can't hear it, but hopefully it also keeps us comfortable. Yeah. Chris, tell us the quick, like, you're walking by somebody on the street and they want to know who you are, but you don't have time to give them the whole thing. Who are you? I am Chris Lee, and, you know, that's a hard question to answer. I'm just, I'm just a regular guy like everybody else on the street. Awesome. All right, <laughs> you just got a new title at mm-hmm. Easton Fellowship. What is that title? I am an associate pastor here at Easton Fellowship, and I am pastor over outreach and pastoral care. And so, I mean, you've been, you've had that title for just the last month or so, but you have been living out um, those two things, pastoral care and outreach, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we were talking yesterday, uh, we were trying to figure out what it was that we needed to sit down and talk about. And like really quickly, like what came to your mind is something that's been in your heart. And it's like, you've got to be loving people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, that's the number one thing that drives me in um, everything that I do is what is our responsibility as Christians? And, and Jesus made it very plain and clear. He said, like, love me with all of your heart, mind, soul and strength and love each other. You know, and um, so as I as I grow in loving God, I want to also grow in loving others. And um, that's not a conditional thing. And I want to make sure that um, the love that I give is pure because we live in a world where everything costs something. And that's the expectation that people have, you know, relationally. um, They think if someone does something for them, there's an intention behind it or motivation behind it. And. that's not how the love of God operates. The love of God is pure. It has no intention other than to love people. And when people see God's love, it changes something on the inside of them hmm. in a real way. And so that's my goal. My goal is to love people well. And I know that in loving people well, part of that, one of the things that's very important to me is um, restoring what's lost. And a lot of times, the things that's lost that I see is just a sense of dignity and worth, you know? And so I'm always looking when I'm, you know, um, relating to somebody, when I'm talking to somebody, how I can restore people's dignity. Where, where has that been lost? And where can I do that in a really, in a real way um, that's really practical and um, that loves people well in a way that they feel valued in our relationship? Because we're made in God's image. Mm. He's made us valuable. And the lie of the devil is that we're not, you know. But there's something wrong with us. Everybody feels it, you know. And um, that's my my main goal in all that I do is, um, you know, a lot of pastors feel the need to have to maybe fix people Mm -hmm. or have an answer for people. And um, that's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. My job is to love people well. And I know that when we love people well, we'll have the outcomes that um, that God wants. Mm. But it's not I'm not doing it for the outcomes, though. Yeah, I'm doing that because that's what God wants me to do. And I know that that's what changed my heart is someone loving me well. And that's that's a countercultural definition of love. I mean, most people, especially in America, define like love is largely based around how it makes us feel mm-hmm. and and that it makes us feel good and when it doesn't then the time for love is done mm-hmm. um, we can start to see this you know you, this this idea of love being for others when it's in terms of family like we're, we're a little more willing to love a little more sacrificially but like you watch a movie and even at the end of the movie love is successful because everything is fixed mm-hmm. right but like in life that's not <laughs> how things work and even yeah. if you look at the people that jesus loved and either all the way up to when he was on the cross like there are some things that weren't fixed people mm-hmm. still dropping the ball and yet he still loved even mm-hmm. to death and then when he came back he still loved um how is it that you as a human a broken human could even endeavor to love in a sacrificial way. Well, I tell you, the only thing that allows me to do that is the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, and 
I know that when I deny myself, especially um, so that someone else could feel the love of God, then that's that's doing exactly what Christ did, mm-hmm. you know, and um, that's a pure love. And that's a love that's deeper than anything that I can give in my own ability. Mm-hmm. But I liked what you said when you talked about home, mm-hmm. because that's something that I focus in on a lot, too. Yeah, because when we think of the concept of home, we think of someplace. Well, unless that idea has been perverted through a lot of pain and hardships. Home is a place where I find the thoughts where there's a lot of safety, mm. where there's a lot of comfort, where there's a lot of peace. Home is the place that I want to be, you know, and that's the main place that we see the enemy attacking is our home units, mm. you know, um, families being broken, those relationships being torn apart, whether it's through the vo- through divorce or just sin and the brokenness of our world. Yeah. And the hard thing is, you know, when that home system is compromised, it changes your whole worldview, right? And so when home is compromised, um, you can live in a horrible world, you know, usually, well, let me start, let me go back. Say you live in a great home where there's a lot of love. We know that we live in a wicked world with a lot of brokenness Mm -hmm. and you leave that home and you go into this wicked world where there's a lot of brokenness and horrible things happen in the world. You can always come back home Mm -hmm. and you live in a, you live in a world that's broken, but you have a place of safety that you go into, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, when your home is compromised, you just live in a horrible world Mm -hmm. where there's no safety. And home is a place that I feel that all of us humans have been trying to get back to since the garden. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where relationship was torn. You know, that's where that place of safety, peace, that's where we were walking with our father. You know, that was torn from us. And this whole thing, the whole Bible is is a story about how, you know, we're trying to find our way back home. Mm-hmm. And we look at the Israelites and that was the whole goal, you know, making it to the promised land, a place where they can call home. And even when Jesus came, he he came to restore relationship and to bring us back home in a real way. Mm-hmm. So when I think about that and what drives me and how I relate to people and how I love people, The concept of home now is even greater because now God has extended his household. And we know that even though our home may be compromised in a natural way, we have a father that loves us in heaven. Mm -hmm. And the only way we can be introduced to that father in heaven is through people who know the father who's in heaven. Mm -hmm. And and I can lead people back home. Mm -hmm. That's done relationally, though. You know, that's done through love. That doesn't it doesn't come from um, just telling somebody what they're doing wrong. It comes from walking with people and loving them in their space mm-hmm. and um, really investing in people mm-hmm. and loving them where they are. And through that, they can see the love of the Father and be led home. Mm-hmm. I imagine there's some people listening and they're hearing us say, yeah, I love others. And they're probably like in their heads thinking, oh, yeah, 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 no, that sounds good. But then they're going to step out their door mm-hmm. and not have any clue of what that looks like. So like, and this is a hard question, but... How do we take this from the like theological, theoretical, hypothetical to like outside of our door and actually loving people? What does it look like practically? Well, there's a process like it doesn't happen overnight. At first, you need to come to realize that there's a way of operating that you can't do in your own strength, Mm -hmm. you know. And once you realize that, you start praying. You say that again. There's a way of operating that you cannot do in your own strength. Because I think people needed to hear that yeah. twice. Yeah, <laughs> that you can't and that's do in your own strength. And that's loving. Mm-hmm. Like we can't even love the people that are closest to us well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and and just a good example of that is the people who hurt us the most are usually the people who are closest to us in our households, in our homes, our spouses, mm-hmm. um, our parents, mm-hmm. our children. You know, those people. We have a hard enough time loving those who are supposed to love well, you know. So we have to know that um, loving others, especially people who don't deserve it, because that's really what where it gets real, you know, because Jesus died for people who did not deserve it. You know, people died. Jesus died for the very people who were murdering him. Mm-hmm. And he still loved them. And he looked down on him when he was strung up and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. 
And so when I when I understand that mentally, I start praying through that and I start asking God, now that I understand that there is a love that I can't operate my own strength, Lord God, please work this through me and by the power of your Holy Spirit, please allow me to to love people in this way. And when I first started praying that, you know, um, God just gave me a ton of opportunities to love people and to die, to like really put aside what I thought what was right and wrong, put aside what was comfortable for me. And he just gave me tons of opportunity to love people in a genuine way. And um, it's great because the good thing about this is knowing that you can't do it in your strength is that God has to do it in you. So it's not a whole lot of pressure. Yeah. You can't do it in your yeah. own. But the piece is, is that the Bible says God works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. And like, that's King James, right? So it's basically saying God works in us to want to do the things that please him and then to be able to do the things that please him. And if we're made in God's image, the Bible says God is love. He's going to work in us to be able to want to love people well and then to be able to love people well. But that's still a process, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have to first want to do that before you're able to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, the first step of the process is the realization that this is actually what God wants us to do. Mm -hmm. And so the hard thing is, is renewing our mind, right? Mm -hmm. I know I'm talking a lot. You can cut me off if you hey, need to. Man, you're wrong. Just for it. So um, when we're talking about love, um, and we talk, we talk about loving the way Jesus loved. Um, that love is, is a scandalous love. That, that is a love that is offensive. That's an offensive type of love to most people. Because what Jesus did was he loved his enemy. And if we really want to practically like draw this thing out and really understand it, the only way you can really eliminate your enemy is to make that enemy a part of your family. Mm. And the only way you can make that enemy a part of your family is through loving them. Mm. Now, if you operate in the world's way and you eliminate your enemy, you're going to continue to cause more enemies because that, that person has children. Mm -hmm. And you've just now offended that whole person's family, that whole person's culture. You've offended anybody that is related to them in any kind of way or identifies what that person stand, stood for. Mm -hmm. You know? And instead of putting walls in, in between each other, instead of opposing each other and putting more roadblocks, Jesus said, love your enemy. That is crazy. That's crazy. And that's the one thing that we have that the world doesn't have, the power to love our enemies. And even if we just do that in the smallest way, it can transform societies. So when we look at Martin Luther King, like his movement transformed the country. We're not perfect yet. We're not there yet. But if you think about it, he stood on principles of nonviolence of saying, look, I will not do to you what you do to me. Mm -hmm. He stood on biblical principles. And even though they suffered loss, people died. Mm -hmm. They suffered violence. They loved their enemy. And that, that changed the whole course of a country, mm -hmm. the power in that movement. You know, so say if we're even more intentional with that, this is where it hurts because we have to lay something down mm -hmm. to love our enemy. We have to lay down what it means to be right most of the time. Mm -hmm. And we have to lay down what it means to be uncomfortable. Like, how do we love people the way Christ did? We we're willing to die. We're willing to to shed who we are so that we can give that person dignity because everybody's fighting to feel like they're worth something, to feel like what they stand for is worth something. So, Paul, we're in a capital of confederacy, right? Right. And one of the big things is, is our history and the monuments here. And even in our city, like, there are people who really value things like the confederate flag. I'm an African-American man, and this goes deep with me because even in my family, we know where we come from what plantation even we come from on my father's side. Um, and that's a very real thing for us. And for me to even say this is very provocative when I look at like what my family might think about what I might say mm -hmm. because of what culture tells me I should think and say, right? So we have uh, people who, who really stand for 
um, their culture on both sides. And when people are, are carrying Confederate flags and protesting, protecting their monuments, what they're saying is the people that are in their lives, the people, the history, that they're valuable, right? Mm -hmm. The soldiers who fought for the Confederacy, those people were valuable and they're right because we're all valuable. We're all valuable because we're all made in God's image. No matter what decisions we make in our lives, it doesn't diminish the value that we hold as a, as a human being, as an individual, as a son and daughter of God, right? Mm -hmm. So that causes me to be able to say, I may not totally agree with you, but you know what? I'm willing to listen to you because I love you and I'm willing to put aside the things that I may not agree on because you're valuable. And you know what? If this is important to you, because you're important to God, I'm going to make it important to me too, to consider the things that are important to you. And instead of tearing down your history and your legacy and, and everything that you stand for, what I want to do so you don't have to fight to feel valued I'm going to give it to you for free, whether you deserve it or not. And, you know, all of us are fighting for something. And usually it's to feel valued, you know. Imagine if people just gave that to you, gave you that value without you having to fight for it, with wanting nothing in return. You don't have to fight for anything anymore. You feel loved with no strings attached. That's the love of God. But it... It costs something on our end. It does. And the people who understand these principles, we're the ones who are responsible with dying to love others well. That's the truth. Yeah. You know, and that's the difference between being a Pharisee and being like Christ. The Pharisees told people what they did were wrong, what they did that was wrong, you know, yeah. and they held it over them. And they said it from a position that made them feel good because they were right. Mm -hmm. Jesus went to people in their spaces where they were doing wrong, sat with them and loved them. Mm -hmm. There's a scripture that says Jesus sat with tax collectors and prostitutes and I couldn't move forward because like, what? Mm -hmm. He was in their space of sin and he was with them. Yeah. He didn't care what people said mm -hmm. looking at him. He didn't care. He didn't care what it might look like with him sitting with a prostitute at the well. What people would say. He just loved her. All right. So I feel like an important part of what you were sharing is, like, I think what can stop some people in a space like that is a fear that to engage or acknowledge or show respect or show love is also to condone. Mm -hmm. And one thing we see about Jesus is when he is sitting with the tax collectors or the adulterous woman or insert name a person like what he is first and foremost doing is seeing their true identity mm -hmm. and knowing his true identity and knowing god's true identity and operating first and foremost from that space and i know just from talking to you that that's also at the heart of even what you just shared is like you know first and foremost who you are who god has called you to be mm -hmm. um but I feel like that's a lot of people, that's the, the stopping point because they're identifying themselves in ways that God had never told them to primarily identify themselves. And that's what mm -hmm. can keep them from love. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we take it a step further, like one way we identify ourselves is, uh, is based on what we feel we deserve and what's yeah. right and just. And that's another significant obstacle for love because we will love when it's easy to love. Absolutely. But when that love, like you said, is going to cost us, when... When that love is going to mean in order to love this person, we have to give up the right to what we feel like our personal justice is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't want to do that. Because mm -hmm. like, I mean, what's going to happen? What if, what if they never get it? What if, we, what if it doesn't play out like the movies where suddenly they have that grand realization and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I've been mistreating you. And then everything's good. What if like you have to be mm -hmm. like Jesus and take it all the way to death? Yeah, and that's that's a really good point. And I really like how you brought the idea of identity in the picture mm -hmm. because that's the thing that keeps us from loving people well is what 
if we identify as Christians in anything other than Christ, we're not going to be able to love people with the love of Christ. Because mm-hmm. if you think of it like this, think of the logic. Who does miracles? You can, yeah, <laughs> Jesus does it, right? Does Paul Granger do any miracles? Oh, no. Do you have any power in yourself to do any? miraculous or supernatural (laughs) right no but the christ in you does Mm -hmm. so just logically speaking for the christ in you to be living you have to die Mm -hmm. right you have to die to yourself because paul granger doesn't do the miracles christ does Mm -hmm. so the biggest miracle out of all we know this through scripture is loving people because we can do all these miracles and without love it's just like a ringing gong it's like it's it's a stain Right. If you if there's love not behind it, mm-hmm. it's it's horrible sounding. That's what it means by being a, a ringing gong like it. It confuses people, you know, because you would think someone that sh- is representing God should be representing God and who he is. But something's off. There's no love behind it. So going back to identity, how identity is a roadblock to loving people well. So me being Chris Lee, I identify as an African-American. If I find my primary identity in being African-American, I am going to be a slave to what it means to be an Mm African-American and not finding my identity in Christ, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm, I'm going to be obligated to being obedient to the identity that I have. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if you call me the N word, and I identify myself as an African-American, what am I obligated to feel? A lot of anger. Anger, maybe. Offense, right? Mm-hmm. But if I find my identity in Christ and you call me the N-word, mm-hmm. I'm free from that. Mm-hmm. Like I've been called it. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt me because my identity is in Christ. But it also allows me to see you in a way where if I find my identity in being an African-American, it will cause me to automatically oppose you right instead i could just love you because even though you may have an offense towards me because of my skin tone that doesn't mean that you don't have convictions towards god it doesn't mean you're a horrible husband doesn't mean that you don't love your kids doesn't mean that this may be one blind spot that you have in your life that god is giving me now the opportunity to love you through so now you can walk in the fullness of christ but if because i who know what my identity is in Christ and not allowing myself to, to love people through that. I've just missed a great opportunity to, to walk you through something that could be amazing in life and transformative for your life, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, that's crazy. You know, I'm, you can do that. I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the thing, you know, if, if you call yourself a Christian and you're not willing to find your identity in Christ, mm-hmm. you're not worthy of the kingdom. Yeah. And that's not Chris Lee talking. That's, that's the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's the Bible, Paul. Yeah. And I'm not going to quote scriptures because a lot of the stuff that I talk is scripturally based. But this is stuff that people can research and it's consistent with scripture. It's consistent with what Christ taught. He said, if you're going to be my disciple, you must deny yourself and bear your cross and follow me. And those things are hard. Denying yourself is dealing directly with your identity. Bearing your cross means that it means exactly this, being willing to suffer and die according to God's will. Well, what's funny is the very thing that keeps us from moving forward is the very thing that can actually free us to move forward. And that's where you said somebody can be like, it's great that you're at a place where you feel like you can Mm -hmm. love. I'm not there yet. I mean, you weren't either. <laughs> like, mm. You were never going to get there. Like yeah. you, Chris Lee, and you said this to me, like you were, you never had the capacity or ability to yourselves. The only reason you were able to get there is because you denied yourself. You died mm-hmm. yourself. You let Christ get there. And I think that's the thing is we get trapped in that, you know, Pharisee mindset of there's a certain way we have to do things, a certain kind of person we need to be in order to actually be able to honor God. And God's been saying, stop trying to like get there on your own. Like mm-hmm. you're never going to get there. You're just going to create a religion. But I'm calling for your your life, your heart. And you do that and I'm the one that does the work. Mm-hmm. And so people don't have to like 
read a book on how to love and then like do these, this 12 step program of like, no, it's like die to yourself. That's it. That's it. <laughs> um, something else you said too, that I wanted to look up on the identity piece. And this goes back to, I was, I was thinking about this when I was saying that Jesus saw people first and foremost, uh, as God saw them. And, uh, in Ephesians six twelve it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And, and to put that another way, like our, our, our battle isn't against people, it's against evil, but we struggle to love often, we struggle to connect with others often, we struggle to seek the restoration of relationships often because we see those people as what we're struggling against rather than like you said jesus on the cross looking down at the people that are laughing at him like abusing him and he knows that that's not them like they have they just they don't they don't even understand what they're doing like in that moment they they are choosing their actions but they have no idea what's actually going because there's evil at work and love allows us to put ourselves aside to die to ourselves to choose to see people as god sees them and in that space, we don't fight the wrong battles. We instead realize, no, this is someone that God loves, that God created. And he has given me the capacity to love because he's loving through me. And so we can do something here that the world can't even understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is crazy stuff, man. It is. It is. <laughs> but it's real. It's real. Um, so we've talked a lot about how like, God's called us to love. We've talked a lot about how God's calling us to that because he wants others to experience that love. But a big part of this podcast is where we also personally experience God, where we see and hear him. So how have you like experienced God, seen and heard him by choosing to position yourself to love? Oh man, it's just been amazing. Um, We're very giving. We're a very giving household and family and um we really try to love people well and even from our lack we're giving and we're loving whether that's emotionally where we're lacking we still give whether it's financially we still give whether it's um even with resources we give from our lack and you know sometimes it's received really well you know, most times it's received really well when people receive from you. It's received really well. But um, it's, very, it's very touching when the people that you bless, that you know that don't have anything or, or a whole lot, choose to turn around and bless you back. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a family who's had a lot of uh, financial hardships. And um, we've been blessing them however we can. And just thinking about them, you know what I mean? When, when you think, you know, I wonder how they're doing. I wonder if they've eaten. I wonder if they, you know, and you just go over and bless them, you know, um, because you know that you love them and you want to, and you want them to know that you love them and just through relationship, you know, and I got a call yesterday and, um, young lady said, Hey, um, I'm gonna take you to Walmart. It's like, you're going to take me to Walmart? What's what's going on? It's like, yeah. Well, she said, I'm going to go shopping, but you're going to go shopping also. I said, I'm, I said, I do need to go shopping. It was like, yeah, when are we going to go? And what, what she did was she bought groceries for our whole family from their lack, you know. And I saw God through that because they didn't have to. But what they're doing is, They're replicating something that they see that has value in our lifestyle. And what they're really replicating is not us, it's Christ. You know? And people are getting it. People get it. When you really love, when you really love without intentions, people get it, you know? And um, that caused me to just, to just weep, man. Because I know, I know their situation mm-hmm. and they blessed us, man. They didn't have to, but they thought about us, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that God thinks about us. Mm-hmm. I know that God sees us. 
And I know that in times of encouragement, um, because this life is not, um, um, I like saying this, you might have to delete this from this podcast. <laughs> like, so living a Christian life is not a sexy life and walk, right? It's not something that people look at and say, oh, wow, I want to live a sacrificial life like you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I want to die. But it's it's amazing because, you know, I know that my reward might not be on this earth, mm-hmm. you know, but I know that I have a reward. Mm-hmm. And I know that God sees the way we live and what we do. Mm-hmm. And I know that God is touching people through us, mm-hmm. just through the experiences that we have mm-hmm. with people. And um, there's enough in this broken world to tear you down, make you depressed and not want to get you out of bed. But when you really live a life to love people well, mm-hmm. it's just so life-giving. Mm-hmm. It makes you want to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, it's so there's a verse that says the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. And I think our big problem, one, in understanding love, and two, addressing what you just said about like the Christian life like just doesn't look sexy Mm -mm. is the problem is, is that I'll just put it bluntly. Like we're operating in foolishness most of the time. Mm -hmm. As you were talking, it made me think of those news stories that come out every so often of, uh, of somebody bought a painting at a yard sale for 25 cents. And that yard, that painting had probably been sitting in a garage, maybe it'd been passed around. Maybe that was, it's like fifth yard sale. Well, then somebody who knows artwork says, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it ends up being worth $12 million, right? Like, mm-hmm. But like so many people saw that painting and thought it was junk. So many people mm-hmm. walked by that painting and it's like, that's not even worth a quarter. But the person who knew, who actually understood artwork, mm-hmm. knew that that was beyond comprehensible value. Mm-hmm. And so in the same way, it's hard for us to want to love. It's hard for us to want to live the kind of life that God's calling us to. Because in our foolishness, we are still thinking about how the world sees all that. Mm-hmm. That to love, to sacrifice, well, you're going to get treated as a doormat. And what are you going to come out with other than wounds, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the point of it? Like to live the Christian life, like, man, you could be YOLO living your best life now. I've never said YOLO and I felt uncomfortable <laughs> saying it. I felt so uncomfortable saying it. But you know what I'm saying? like Living my best life. <laughs> but like we, we gauge our identity we gauge our calling based on human thinking mm-hmm. and that's why we can't see the value but while we're sitting here living a, a christian like if we're living a christian life and we know the world's saying oh that doesn't look good mm-hmm. the creator <laughs> who knows the value of what like he is seeing that and seeing inexpressible value in mm-hmm. what we're doing and the more that we can try to to understand the mind of Christ, to understand the the wisdom of God, the more we begin to see that value. And it's almost this point where there comes this moment where you kind of cross over and you're like, Mm. oh, like this is worth it. Oh yeah, no, this is hard. But, and and it's like Paul who by the end of his life, um, he went through harder junk than either of us combined. And yet he's sitting in a jail cell selling, saying, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Mm-hmm. And I've learned the con- uh, secret to being content in every situation. It's because he was starting to see that painting for what it was. Yeah. Rather than what he as a Pharisee would have ever thought. Because he was killing Christians, right? Yeah. Like, and so, now that's not something. Here's the other problem is we, we approach all of this in a very academic way. Mm-hmm. If I just listen to the right sermons, if I just read the right book, if I just have that right set of verses, I'll have the knowledge I need. But I thought of this when you were answering the question of where you personally have seen and, and experienced God in this. Like, I feel like the beauty of all this is God knows that there is some some knowledge that, like, gaining that is important, but experience mm-hmm. sometimes is the only way that we really come to understand. It's just like, you get a new job, like you go through all the training, that's good, you know the things, but that first day on the job, you're losing your mind because it's like, oh my gosh, I I don't remember this, or oh, how do I put this into practice? Mm -hmm. And by stepping into those spaces of allowing God to love through us, allowing ourselves to be killed and broken uh, to what we want and desire, 
that allows us to see, experience, understand those nuggets of truth in a way that we never could just in our mind. That's yeah. a big deal. It is. It is. And, and as you're talking, the word that keeps on coming up is value. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why this is what drives me each day to make it really practical and really easy to get, right? Um, dignity. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean? It means someone feeling that they have worth and value to whatever they're doing and just in general, that they, that they have worth and value, right? Mm-hmm. My goal in all of my relationships is to see where dignity needs to be restored in people and to be the one that restores that. That is the intentional thing that I do in relationships. And if we just look at life through that lens and look at our relationships through that lens, Mm -hmm. we will have an impact that will change the world. Mm -hmm. You know? And, you know, we think about we think about that and I think about Ananias, right? And there's not a whole lot that's said about Ananias in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But one thing that it did say is he was a devout disciple. Yeah. But check this out. He loved someone who he would have considered an enemy. Mm-hmm. And he even asked God, like, for real, this is the dude that you want me to, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't for Ananias there will be no Paul, the apostle. Mm -hmm. And there will be no, like, how much of the New Testament did he write? A large portion. All those letters to the churches, you know. And um, we can have that kind of impact. Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. We may not be Paul, the apostle, but we could be an Ananias. Mm -hmm. And we may be that Ananias that ignites whole bunch of Paul's if we just love people if we just allow ourselves to deny to deny what we think is right if we let the Holy Spirit lead us and we just love people you know if we are intentionally looking where people have lost their sense of worth and how we can restore that Mm -hmm. it would change people's lives yeah well and in this episode like we have managed to uncover the secret understanding (laughs) but like i want to read this passage because like this isn't like this isn't a small thing like we're not Mm -hmm. talking about being nice to people Mm -mm. we're talking about something about something much deeper uh much more intense like much more powerful and so first john 4 beginning in verse 7 and then we'll just see how far i read um man i gotta go down okay we're gonna go for it dear friends let us love one another For love comes from God. Mm. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that he might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us Mm. and his love is made complete in us. Let me read that last part again. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And that's big because, like, I can't tell you how many conversations I have had with well-meaning Christians who feel like it's hard to see God. It's hard to hear God. But right there it says, like, if we love, like, he's in us and he He is going to complete that love in us. Mm-hmm. Like, as, as Don often says, it's not necessarily easy, but it's not complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that is simple. Like, that couldn't have been put any more simply. It couldn't be. And like, this is this is the secret, right? This is the secret to changing the world. And, you know, there are people who give their life to professions 
to what it means to fix people, mm-hmm. psychologists and and um, people who are going to counseling. You know, what Jesus is telling us to do is to love people, mm-hmm. not to fix people. Mm-hmm. Because when we love people, he transforms them. Mm-hmm. Great day in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's that's the key, yeah. you know. And the great thing about it is we don't have to bear the responsibility of that change that happens in somebody. Mm-hmm. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Our part is just loving people. Yeah, that's all He wants us to do. Yeah. And I, I I feel like it's important to note too. Um, it's not our responsibility to change people. Also, we might not get to see that change. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. There's this understanding that like God is the if God is the one that does the work, we may mm-hmm. only be a part of that work. And we gotta be willing to release seeing the fruits of that here. Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, a lot of times that's our trap anyways, mm-hmm. is we wanna know that what we're doing makes an impact, or we want the a claim that comes from having that impact. We want to be able to say, look what I did. Let me show you my numbers. Mm -hmm. But man, to love and to not be able to put numbers beside it to prove that you loved, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like that means you're positioning yourself for the only acclaim you need is from God. Mm -hmm. And, and it says, you know, God is excited about the opportunity to look at us at the end and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. It's hard to like, on at this point, with that being who knows how far down the line to say, man, can I wait for that to be when I get that? But like, man, God shows up even before that. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes God does show us the increase, mm-hmm. and it's and it's for those moments that we need that encouragement. Mm-hmm. Can I tell a quick story? Because yeah. I know we're going long, right? You know what? We need this story. Okay. So when I was in college. I went to VCU in the 90s. And um, there was a young lady that would eat it by herself. And I said, you know what? She shouldn't be alone. With no intentions other than to just love her. I sat down and started talking to her and building conversation. She would curse me out every time and tell me she doesn't want to eat with anybody. It was really, it was really rough, right? Mm-hmm. But then I would end up telling her about Jesus. Um, did this every day for a semester. And then we went into the summer. I took a lot of abuse, but I, I don't know why I was so determined. Well, I do. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Cause Chris Lee would have just said, okay, forget you. <laughs> I'm going to go eat my food with people. Oh, I knew appreciate me. Right. Mm-hmm. But I did this every day for a semester. Um, summer hits, we go away back home and then the fall semester comes in. We're all moving into our dorms. As I'm pulling things from my car and about to go up in, into my dorm, I am feeling a sense of sorrow in my soul. And I don't remember why, but I just needed encouragement. As I was walking up to my dorm, I hear some somebody screaming, Chris, Chris, off in the distance. I'm looking around. I'm like, what's going on? And it, the voice gets louder. And I turn, I see this crazy girl running towards me, right? And she's dragging somebody. And as she gets closer, I realize, oh, this is the girl. I was like, oh, man, she didn't like me. And she's running towards me. <laughs> I didn't know what was going to happen. But she's dragging her mom. And she said, when she got close enough to me, she said, mom, this is the guy. This is the guy who sat with me every day and just was with me. Didn't let me sit alone. And then talk to me about the love of God. This is the guy right here. And she said, because of that, all summer, all I heard was your words until I just submitted to the Holy Spirit and my life has changed. She said, Mom, this is the guy who told me about Jesus and who sat with me. And I'm telling you, man, God wrecked me in that moment, changed everything. You know, and God, God lets us see sometimes the fruit because we need it. We need that encouragement, right? I didn't see it right away, though. Mm-hmm. It was hard, man. Mm-hmm. You know? It was unwanted love. Mm-hmm. But that's how God loves us. Mm-hmm. When we push God away, he still pursues us. And he's a gentleman with it. He doesn't kick down our doors. Mm-hmm. And um, 
So yeah, one waters, one plants, another waters, and God gives the increase. I do believe that God even cares for us and gives us what we need and being able to see the fruit of our labor sometimes mm -hmm. to encourage us. Yeah. Yep. Well, as we wrap up, I feel like some important things that, that are out there is one, like we don't have to figure out how to love. We just got to mm -hmm. be obedient to like letting God do the loving. Mm -hmm. um, two, like restoring dignity, dignity, recognizing that people are made in the image of God. Everybody's made in the image of God. So when we are interacting with anyone, whether it be a friend or a foe or a stranger or someone that is actively hurting us, will we choose to see them based on how they are impacting us or will we choose to see them as God sees them and then respond accordingly? Mm -hmm. um, and then three, like just persevering. So like you, you sat with this young lady for a while and then there came the point where you felt like you should have seen results at this point, but you kept on sitting, even though you didn't see him and you kept sitting, like you stayed at the table, kept loving. Um, and God worked like even before you knew it, like even before she told you what had happened, like God had already been working. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, the last thing is, is that God is a good God. And, and so, like you said, like, God isn't just throwing us into hard things and watching us squirm. Like he is walking with us in a very, very broken world. Mm -hmm. And he is working through us when we don't have the capacity to do so. And even in the hardest moments, like, gosh, those aren't moments where God is absent. Those are moments where God is extremely close. And one day we'll look back and see that. But in his goodness, he does often show us the work that he has done. Yeah. Um, can I say one more thing to make this like really practical? Cause we've been make talking in the, in the clouds. And so there've been a lot of people who, who have um, gone through great lengths to um, make this kind of stuff practical, like, like CCDA, right. Mm -hmm. How to restore dignity to communities and all that stuff. And I'm not talking about that, mm -hmm. even though that's some good stuff, right. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about very practically, if you're doing street ministry mm -hmm. and you walk up to someone who's homeless and they stink and smell like urine. One of the things that I do is I know that that's a barrier for them where they feel like they're not worth what other people are because of their situation that they cannot control in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I know nobody wants to love them. Mm -hmm. I give them a hug. Mm -hmm. Because nobody else will be willing to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's a sign of affection and connection that I'm sure that they would not get because of their current physical situation. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to deny ourselves in loving people? And in that moment, I've restored his dignity because he was worth it, you know? And even the little things like that, how can we just be mindful of how to love people well and restoring their dignity? That's just a real practical way. It doesn't take a whole lot of studying to figure out where people aren't being loved. You can just look at the barriers mm -hmm. and just kick right through them. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let the way someone looks or smells keep me from loving them, mm -hmm. even though it might keep everybody else from it. And Jesus did that a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's constantly moments where uh, he, he saw the people that others didn't want to see. Mm -hmm. But like this is the other piece that when you try to go practical, this goes back to what you said earlier, mm -hmm. that love is offensive. It is. And you will get people... That will look at, at you. At, look at you. That will come at you. Mm -hmm. That will call you out. That will they say will. that you are doing wrong. Mm -hmm. But can't be swayed by that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it can't be swayed. And the love of God is pure, and that's why I stand up. You know, I don't care what anybody looks like. Mm -hmm. I don't care what situation they're in. Mm -hmm. I don't care how sinful others might judge them and call them. Mm -hmm. Jesus sat with those people in their spaces. Mm -hmm. Here's the good news is that no matter what opposition comes, what scripture says is that stuff will fade away. We see it in stuff like mm -hmm. Psalm 37, but we also see it in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, mm. right? That people throw at weddings without actually listening to the words. Mm -hmm. But it talks about how everything else, everything else fades away, even good stuff like mm -hmm. But love remains. 
Yeah. So if you choose to hold to something like that, doesn't matter what opposition comes at you because that stuff's going to pass, but that love, that's going to stay. And people are so natural, right? We still don't, we look over the scriptures about we could be entertaining angels. Mm. Like that's like, that's like um, sci-fi novelish type stuff, mm. but that's real too, mm. you know? We could be entertaining angels. Mm-hmm. That's biblical too. <laughs> so I just encourage everybody to stretch yourself in loving people and look for ways that we can restore people's dignity and make people not have to fight for their dignity. Give it to them for free. Give it to them. You might win over an enemy. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God has been made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. There are a lot of good things that we could do. But when a man comes to Jesus and says, look, I've kept all the commandments. What are the most important ones? And Jesus says, look, I can sum it up for you. Love God and love others. So y'all, this is the secret. If you want to know God, if you want to experience God, we need to own the fact that God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And here's the really good news, is we don't have to figure out how to do this love thing. God says, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. God's the one who does the loving. We just have to get out of the way. We've got to push back on our natural inclination to love ourselves first. We have to choose to love God and love others. And if you're wondering, what is that? What is love? Well, this is what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And it's going to feel like it's failing you sometimes because love goes against the brokenness of this world. Love goes against our natural self-preservation, but love never fails. And if you step into love, you will come to experience God because God is love. 
and you will impact the lives of others because God is loving through you. So if you want to see and hear and experience God, choose to love today. And then ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?